sick with Saint Pete. Oh, it was crap. a wrap. What happened? We hit record. DJ Benone, how do I describe DJ? Let's give it a shot. He's an engineer turned filmmaker, bulletproof coffee expert, road cycling, jeep driving, hip hop bumping, chihuahua loving, creative director, Jedi, and my friend. This episode features one of the smartest, coolest dudes on the planet, and I'm excited to share a little bit about our story, how we met, and why DJ is passionate about video marketing and supporting those that are underrepresented. You'll also learn a thing or two about the qualities he possesses that make him an award-winning filmographer. DJ is one of the few people I can always count on to push me to be more innovative, more creative, to ask better questions, and to empower myself and others to create goosebump-inducing content. Enjoy. DJ, let's try this again. For those of you that um, did not catch the beginning, I forgot to press record on the uh, roadcaster. So we were we were just cutting it up, having a conversation, and there was no audio from the high-quality source. So every proof right there that everybody makes mistakes. Hey. Mistakes are the best educators, ladies and gentlemen. Hug them, Hug them. embrace them because them. that is going to be a data set that you can look back at and say, yo, I'm glad I did that because, you know, yeah. I'm a little bit smarter now. Yeah, and I guarantee you, like, that is embedded in my head right now <laughs> and that will never <laughs> happen again. <laughs> never happen again. I, but I, you know what? Like, I was just so excited to be here chatting with you. We were pouring tequila. Same with me, man. You know what? Sometimes, sometimes, you know, we we overlook those things, and and uh, something beautiful comes out of it, and all of a sudden, womp womp. But at the same time, though, I mean, it's like one of those things where, yo, it's still a beautiful connect. It's it was still it was still a meaningful segment, even though people didn't get a chance to hear it. You know, it it happened. So. They'll get yeah. to see it on the outtake. Yeah, they, they, you, you guys will get to see it on the outtake. <laughs> but what I was saying, though, is that you are one of the coolest dudes I have ever met my entire life. Um, if you're not number one, you're easily top three. And it's just been a an honor and a blessing having you in my life as a friend, getting to collaborate with you and having you push me. Because that's one thing that you do so well is push others to be better. I appreciate that, man. And and yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be on here. I love supporting everything that you do. You're creating an impact that people are noticing, man. And, you know, whatever I can do to help with that, holler at me. I you know, I want, I, want to be, I want to be a part of this because I think that what you have here is going to be um, truly a legacy building thing that you're doing. Thank so, you. Thank yeah. you, man. Um, So let's talk about how we met real quick before we dive into all the awesome things that you are doing. (laughs) So we have a mutual friend. His name is Josh Austin, also goes by Stone Cold Steve Austin because he looks like Stone Cold Steve Austin, (laughs) but probably more buff and ripped. (laughs) Between you and me, I think he could take us on easily. No problem. problem. Um, But yeah, so it was um, his bachelor party. Mm -hmm. We were in Toronto a little over four years ago because it was before I started my company. And I think I saw you at like, we were at a bar or something. And I was like, something about this guy. Like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. we need to be friends. <laughs> so you and I started chatting and you were telling me that you were um, a film producer. Mm-hmm. You were creative. 
yep. and you were actually in the middle of a of a project, and yet yeah. you couldn't go golfing with us. Yeah. So yeah. What project were you working on? So that was a time when I was working with uh, the city of St. Pete. Mm. It was the St. Pete Art Alliance, and uh, we filmed a project uh, that was part of the. It involved the Shine Mural Festival. Okay. The Shine Mural Festival is a week long event where the city of St. Petersburg commissions uh, a bunch of walls and they invite international artists, national artists, and local artists to put their art mm. on these major facades. And so there was this tech company, uh, shout out to Pixel Sticks. They created, they, they leveraged NFC technology. If you don't know what NFC technology is, it's you do it, you, you'll know what it is when you're paying and you touch your phone or your card onto, you know, whatever payment uh, yeah, like Apple point of pay, sale. Google, yeah. Google Pay, all those things. So, so that technology they leverage and what, they, what it looked like was it, these placards on the corners of these murals mm -hmm. and you touch your phone to it and then it would tell a story about the mural and it was narrated by someone from the Game of Thrones. That's and cool. so uh, what we did was we filmed a brand short, a brand film, that talked about how the technology was transforming St. Petersburg into this unique museum, walkable museum, that not only was it a way for people to consume and enjoy the art, but it was also for local businesses to get data sets and foot traffic to see where people are yeah. and what, what art they're gravitating towards. Yeah. So in a way, it was able to take technology, the community, um, the socioeconomics of St. Petersburg and create this little synergy just through this tech. So we were, we were working on a project and that's why I couldn't go golfing with you guys. Cause <laughs> I had to, I had some deadlines that I had to meet, but what better place to do some edits than out into the, the streets yeah. of Toronto. Right. For real. Yeah. So if people wanted to check out that video that you put together for St. Pete, where can they find it? Um, I can drop a link. If you have a link on your website, I can yep. send that over to you. It is on YouTube and I think it's on pixel sticks YouTube. Okay. This was four years out. So I don't know if they've changed it or whatnot, but mm -hmm. it was cool. Cause it got, you know, recognition, local recognition got, um, it got them interviews into yeah. all these other, you know, platforms yeah. so it was really neat to see how a body of work that we had collaborated on proliferated throughout the the, the entire art community in the tampa bay area so yeah, well, please uh please share those li those links with us we'll post yeah. them and, and maybe we could even put up some videos and um and post oh yeah for sure video. yeah yeah but um as you were talking i was like man like that sounds really cool and i'm working this this full-time corporate sales job but i also have a side hustle called Next and Innovators, where I'm just doing more like uh, marketing consulting, IT consulting, professional development, those sorts of things. I was like, what you're talking about, like there's something there. And I remember saying, I was like, dude, I don't know what it is, mm -hmm. but we we met for a reason. And then fast forward, um, it must have been within six months. It had to have been because I left my corporate job in January. Okay. The Bachelor party must have been before that. And then March, April-ish, the pandemic hit. Yes. And at that point, I was like, oh, man, I can't I can't charge these school districts for the for the support that I want to give them because mm -hmm. they're going through rough times and I want to I want to serve. Right. So I had to pivot. And my business partner at the time, she was actually one of my speakers. That I used to place in, in speaking gigs and she calls me up and she's like, Marlon, I've got this crazy idea. And you're the only person I know that is crazy enough <laughs> to do it with me that could actually accomplish it. And I was like, well, what do you got? And she was like, I want a TV show. 
and we get to talking and ultimately it was turned out to be first taste tv and um that concept was as you know like home shopping network and or qvc meets mm-hmm. food network but then geared towards child nutrition so as we're looking for people to help produce i was like i know a guy like yeah. this is yeah. the reason why we met in toronto yeah and i tell you what man you were an absolute beast out there and you came through clutch like you always <laughs> like you always do helped us out because we had some some of our sponsors some of our partners or clients yeah. that um were unable to travel because of covid restrictions right but they still wanted to participate right. so you actually went to them one time one customer which was tyson mm-hmm. you actually went out there and you filmed the entire production by yourself people he filmed this whole thing by himself, and we we had a remote piece to it, to where we were actually talking. Yeah. Um, we were in Chicago, there in was it Missouri? Not Missouri, uh, um, Arkansas, Arkansas, yeah. Arkansas, and nailed it. And then we had another one. You went to Nardone's Pizza with Nardone's, us, and yeah. I actually got a chance to be there. So it, it, it wasn't a virtual shot, mm-hmm. but we were all there together. Yeah. And man, like, you do great work. Thank you, man. Really great work. Yeah, that was. It's. When you say that, you know, things ha- do happen for a reason, um, that was a time when I was losing a lot of clients too, right? So it was, I was trying to figure out, okay, what do I do next? How do I pivot the business? Because if anything, what did the pandemic do? It exposed a lot of the weaknesses as a business owner. And for me, the biggest weakness was I still have to be the, behind the wheel in order to to get this thing moving forward. So what do I, what can I do? How do I build it? How do I structure everything so that it's still running without me at the helm? Um, still working on that, but like going back to 2020, that was the biggest blessing in disguise that my company had received because like if it wasn't for what you guys had down the pipeline, then I don't know what else I would have been doing, right? Yeah. I mean, I, there, I probably may have, maybe have gotten my resume polished up and went back to, to corporate, unfortunately. But now that, you know, that, ha- that, that has come and gone, like in hindsight, I was like, that needed to happen, yeah. right? Yeah. That was that adversity that, that forced us into a corner where we had to be creative with how we do things. And, um, yeah. So. I feel like that was just a God thing. Like, God put us together to crush it. Yeah, man. Shout um, out to God. Yeah. Yeah. Big up. Big up, Jesus. Big ups. <laughs> big ups, man. Um, but then that was just the beginning for us. So after that, we did From the Show Floor, partnered with um, award-winning Jennifer oh. Martin of Jen New York Martin. SNA. <laughs> Shout out to the whole squad up over there. I love you guys. Yeah, man. And for that, we did From the Show Floor. And with First Taste TV, we did... I think it was uh 13 episodes no 15 episodes over three days mm-hmm. and then from the show floor like the final product was 47 <laughs> episodes <laughs> over three days <laughs> Dude, uh, we we did a million dollar production and com- bro- combed it down to like one tenth of that yeah and yeah. so and, and the reason for that was because whereas first taste tv was like a big budget type of like you know national conference type of piece right mm-hmm. um from the show floor, like I was like, oh my gosh, there are all these other people that want to get involved that just don't have the budget for it. So how can we film in bulk? Well, once again, I needed good collaborators. I needed you mm-hmm. and Jen Martin. And Jen brought together 11 different state associations. Mm-hmm. You came in with your team. Mm-hmm. And unlike from the show floor, we didn't film in the studio. 
we pretty much set up shop in a conference center that was supposed to be used yeah. for the actual food show, but couldn't because of COVID. You set up your cameras. We, the clients came in, dropped in their booth. Mm-hmm. We filmed for like five, ten minutes. They moved on. Next, next person came in, dropped in their booth. Yeah. You know, it was it was a good time. Yeah, but it was rough because by that third day, you know, we had those mimosas out. We had the masseuse come in, and it was. <laughs> Mind it you, was I, rough. I also was walking in there with a broken collarbone. And you had the broken <laughs> collarbone. I forgot about that. Gosh, this guy has no quit. No quit. <laughs> All right. Yeah, because okay, so I'm a road cyclist. And COVID, um, of course, you know, everything was all locked down, but the trails were wide open. So, you know, I rekindled that fire, put more mileage on the bike. And a week prior to that New York production up in what Syracuse, right? Syracuse, yeah. yeah. I call up Marlon. I'm like, yo. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I broke my collarbone, man. I, I, I needed, I need surgery. Uh, but I'll be able to make it up there. <laughs> and it was funny because you were like, dude, don't don't worry about it. You can just do this remote. Just, uh, you know, FaceTime us while you're... I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I got I to get up there. Yeah. So I brought I on... It. Yeah, I brought in... I brought on uh, one of my my guys, and, and he toughed it out. Um, Adrian O'Farrell, shout out to you, man. You uh, you were the, the, the hands <laughs> of this whole entire production. Without him, I wouldn't have yeah. gotten up there, but... And then yeah. like, even like with that, like you were even training someone in my team, like man, because yeah. he was helping out of cameras. Yeah. That was, I think, his first time running a camera. Mm. We're doing this massive production yeah. and yeah. you're directing and you're coaching and doing all these things at the same time, like serious multitasking <clears throat> with the broken collarbone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's it's one of those things where, you know, when you truly believe in something, you make you, you do the things that you need to do to get it done. Yeah. You know, ends justifies the means, according to Machiavelli. And, and that's that's. That's a mantra I like to live by because if you're not if you're not moving if you're not it's easy to talk yeah to talk yeah but you guys certainly walk it you know and then that's I vibrate with that and when I see people hustle like the way that you do yo it's contagious man it is you know and 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 I love that so it's you con- know through thick and thin baby I'm, I'll be there yeah it's contagious and it's energetic like. Mm-hmm. That's it's amazing. And like I like to think about like if you didn't have that hustle and the drive and you weren't gritty and tenacious to get through a broken collarbone, yeah, you might not have one of these beautiful awards sitting right in front of oh, you because your God. your excellence in that production <laughs> led you to another partnership with New York SNA and you guys won a telly award. Yeah, man. That one that one was wild. That actually that was unexpected. You know, I I, I applied for you know, the, the particular award and you've got 40,000 other production companies that are submitting these same award or submitting themselves to these. Yeah. Right. And to be selected, um, was, I'm not a good person. Like it's tough for me to accept, you know, recognition and awards. I'm always the guy that likes to be behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've been learning to be grateful for those um, because it validated that what we are doing is truly something that that people mm-hmm. actually resonate with. Yeah. So I'm I'm truly grateful for you know the Tele Awards organization for for recognizing us, and it, it boosts confidence. You know, mm-hmm. it boosts confidence. It boosts clout. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm a 
if you ever follow my social media, I'm kind of out there. You know, I have a different persona when I when I'm out there, but the at the core of it, it's it's genuinely trying to help people out. Yeah. And that's the core of what Haji Studios is. It's trying to be a to help facilitate people to get to that better mm-hmm. place. Yeah. So yeah. Thank you for the recognition. Yeah, that, that's huge. And I remember I was driving someplace and you sent me a picture mm. with, with a little bit of like description of what it was and the amount of joy that I received. Like, <laughs> I, was, I think I was talking to Jen Martin about it. I was like, I feel like I feel like I almost won the award with you guys. Like, I didn't do any of the work. You, like, you, you did, like, <laughs> man, because you made that connection, bro. No, but like yeah. I was just so excited for you guys being recognized for the amazing job that you did and just thinking like, this is like, these are my family. Like yeah. this is my team. My team is out there crushing it. Yeah. And I was just, I was legit excited. It was, Man. it was awesome. The way I see it is like, you know, we build these networks um, and they're very close knit. And it's like when somebody wins, it's a win for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Because there's, there's whether or not we're, we're talking business, right. There's still that relationship that we have beyond that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that interconnectivity, um, it, it it becomes it's all it's almost like like a like a family right yeah. a family a, a, a very familial network that you know you want people to succeed because you know you have a hand in it and then at the same token they have a hand in what you're doing exactly and it becomes this beautiful synergy of um, entrepreneurs leaders um, doers and that's how we all grow as a community like a lot of my network. I honestly have more friends and network connections outside of the film space. Mm. Mine in the film space is very close knit, very tight. Yeah. Like I, I, yeah. I don't connect with a lot of people in the industry. Um, not because they're my competitors, but it's just, I just feel like I see more and learn more from people outside of my industry and I can take those things and apply it to my industry. Yeah. You know, I connect the dots that most of my other peers don't really see. Mm-hmm. And and that's where that's where a lot of the the innovation, the creativity, the just the uniqueness of our productions, that's what separates us from the rest. Yeah. Through those relationships. I wonder if that has anything to do with your um with your educational background. Mm-hmm. Because you are incredibly artistic and gifted but you're also analytical and you don't always i i see you acting and not always thinking just like how someone that's purely artistic and creative would think Mm -hmm. you're looking at it from another perspective and you take all that information and you download it into your artistic abilities and you create these amazing pieces of work yeah man so so talk to me about how you got into um film okay so film actually started when I was a wee little tyke, mm-hmm. but as I grew up, okay, so I'll, I'll, let's, let's start off from the beginning, yeah. right? So I, so I was born in the Philippines, uh, moved here when I was three years old. Uh, my father is a priest, Episcopal priest, that's why I, they had me. They can, they can, <laughs> yeah. they can marry. <laughs> and my mom is a, she, she's a nurse, um, and together through the years, they... Um, uh, became business owners. We own an assisted living facility as a family. Well, growing up as a child, 
I was always creative. Um, I went through elementary school in the gifted program, uh, and I did a lot of extracurricular activities, piano, um, soccer, flag football, tennis, um, Boy Scouts, Taekwondo. Like I was involved athletic. in a lot Everybody. of things. Yeah. Man. Um, mind you, when I moved from the Philippines to here, um, we were in Lutz, which was the most whitest community a Filipino could ever live. I didn't I, even, I didn't I even grew know. I up in Lutz too. <laughs> hey man, I didn't even know I was Filipino until I got into college. You yeah. Know? Um, so growing up, it was, it was cool because, you know, I got to participate in the arts, mm -hmm. but then I get into high school, I get into the IB program and it's purely academic. Where'd you go to high school? Uh, King. Okay. King High School. Uh, at the time, I, I would have gone to Lando Lakes High School, but they didn't have the IB program until the year after. Mm, okay. So I, I was went already to Lando Lakes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was already threaded in in King High School through their whole academic program. I played soccer when I was over there. Um, major identity crises growing up all the way through. Got bullied. Um, so so I went through the ringer. However, high school was really unique in that my academic curriculum prepared me for college. I ended up getting a scholarship, went to UCF, uh, had the conversation with parents. Like, Do you want to be a priest? Nope. <laughs> you want to be a doctor and a nurse? Nope. So by default, because I was good in math and sciences, engineering was the track. So I started out as an engineer, finished off as an engineer, uh, graduated with a Bachelor of Science Electrical Engineering, and then um, shortly thereafter, I started working corporate for different engineering firms. Ended up in uh, IBM, ended up in American Express. And through those years, that was a 15-year span. I grew into IT, became a Linux engineer, um, became a senior, and then started managing teams. So going back to the analytical component of it, I always knew how to troubleshoot. I always knew how to analyze things and see things in an objective manner without adding emotion to it. Mm. Matter of fact, like, especially in when I was at, at American Express, I mean, we were the top engineers, right? We were managing Fortune 100 servers that are like billion dollar technologies. Yeah. And I'm here on, you know, on-call rotation trying to fight firefights. And just the level of communication that you have to have, uh, it needs to... You got to be able to communicate from the lowest rung of the ladder all the way up to the C-suite executives. Mm -hmm. And I was forced into that role. I was never really a people person. You know, I always kept to myself. However, when it came to like problems and it came to dealing with situations that were high stakes, I always was even killed. So one of the guys is like, yo, how are you so Zen? Like, I'm like, I told him straight up. Be like water, my friend, <laughs> Bruce Lee. <laughs> Bruce Lee, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I was always like the more calm demeanor. Yet all these people are just like, you know, wilding out, and and of course, you know, because we have such a good team, we're able to 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 manage all of these things, and and all these firefights were uh, a collective effort. But I'd like to say that you know, just by staying calm through chaos is something I carried over into film. So on the tail end of my career, it was, a, it was the perfect storm. I was already getting disgruntled with the bureaucracy of corporate America. I felt that I wasn't getting what I was valued at. I was getting worth what I was valued. Um, our department was 
in the process of getting sold to a new company. Mm-hmm. And I was opportuned to roll over to the company. However, when I began interviewing with them and started negotiating, we just didn't see eye to eye. I didn't like what I was being offered. And at the same token, I was already done with engineer. Matter of fact, during that period of time, leading up to, um, eventually I got laid off. Mm-hmm. But leading up to that point, uh, rekindled my time with the camera. The camera has always been a part of me from day one. My, my dad always had those big, thick VHS cameras. And oh, he didn't have one, one of those? Nah. <laughs> what is this thing? Oh, <laughs> the, the cinema camera? Yeah, yeah, they didn't have those back then yet. You know, they were a little bit more bulkier than that. But That is a um, red Komodo, ladies and gentlemen. That is the real deal. <laughs> Netflix quality. Net, net, yeah, it's... it's it fits the Netflix requirements. Yeah. Um, Hashtag Haji Studios. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, going, going into uh, the tail end, um, before I got laid off, this was probably about a whole year, I started rekindling the camera. I started just because it was the camera for me was that release valve. It was, mm. it was a way that I could take the stresses that I was dealing with and do something with it. And so I continued to do that. I just, I filmed whatever, whenever, and however. Yeah. I didn't, I had no training. I didn't know what it meant to frame up a shot. I didn't know how to light uh, a scene. I just took the camera and went with it. And so um, fast forward to, this was 2017, going into 2018, I get laid off and before I got laid off, I got invited to another bachelor party. Oh. Something about bachelor parties, yeah, right? <laughs> uh, I go to a bachelor party. It's for the head coach and owner of the CrossFit gym that I was at. Mm. And mind you, I was already filming a lot. I was doing stuff with the CrossFit gym, telling stories and whatnot. But he was like, dude, you're part of the the, the wedding party. Let's, <laughs> let's, we're going on this, this cruise. Um, let's have some fun, man. And I took that as an opportunity just to, you know, film it. Yeah. I was like, hey, bro, is it cool if I filmed? I mean, and, and I don't know. We won't show anything to your future wife or anything. <laughs> He's like, nah, just go with it. Let's have some fun. So, so I did. And as we're on the cruise, um, I connect with who happens to be his best man, mm. Anthony Santa. Anthony Santa is a very pivotal person in my life because he introduced me to production. Mm. Now, he was the, I think he was the director of business development for a company called Diamond View Studios. Mm. Diamond View Studios uh, is one of the largest uh, commercial production studios in Tampa. They do phenomenal work. That's View, right? Yeah, this is, so so Diamond View branched off into View. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Diamond View is, they, that whole organization through Anthony Santa invited me to essentially shadow and get a feel for what production looks like. That's an amazing opportunity. And mind you, I was still at American Express. So I would take my PTO days, go to their studio, mm-hmm. go on set, and just just sit back and watch. Sometimes I would be a PA, learn yeah. the ropes, right? Learn to crawl before I walk. And in doing so, that validated that this was a space that I needed to be in. And so... Fast forward a couple months later, I get laid off 
And I'm having, like, Anthony and I are emailing back and forth. I'm trying to ask him, you know, hey, man, in terms of, like, the business, what is it like? How do you guys handle your uh, your uh, RFPs and your proposals? And what did those those discovery calls look like? And literally it was the education that I needed mm. to begin pursuing my own clientele. So in doing that, naturally, my first group of clients were in the tech space. Yeah. You know, so so I had an opportunity to start doing that no more than four or five months out of, you know, retirement. <laughs> retirement. <laughs> <laughs> and so so that continued to happen. I started bringing, building up clientele. I still didn't know what my niche was. Yeah. I just knew I wanted to do cool stuff. So yeah. I was just getting, it was just more of just getting the reps in and um, I was opportune to have traveled the globe during that time period too. Went to Tokyo, which was very transformative for me. Las Vegas, actually, my 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 first client project was in Las Vegas, oh, wow. out of all places. Um, and then started doing work with some apparel brands, and things were going pretty cool, man. You know, mm-hmm. things were things were really starting to click, and this like then I start you know doing more work with local technology companies. Fast forward to now, you know, the St. Pete Art Alliance, and here we are in, in Toronto, and we're chatting yeah. it up, and, you know, fast forward to where we're sitting at today. We've, we've done some really cool stuff, man. Yeah, you know what? We've, we've done some really cool things, but I always think I'm like, like we're just getting started. Mm-hmm. We're nowhere near our peak. We have yeah. a lot more stuff to do, and yeah. uh, I feel like the team and the family just keeps getting bigger and stronger. Mm. I was actually in um, California about two weeks ago, and I was chatting with the agency that's repping um, Black and Bull Coffee, mm-hmm. and uh, he he was a young young dude like me. Um, I, actually, well, let me let me go back a little <coughs> bit further. Um, I was invited to the ReliQuest Bull networking event that happened in Tampa about a month ago. Guys, yes, and. Uh, Someone from my gym invited me. Her name is Michelle. She's awesome. Thank you for the invite, Michelle. Shout out to Michelle. And um, so I'm there talking, and I have this new project that I want to work on. I told you about that's to do with like filming and cars and all that. But I need to figure out insurance, right? So I'm at this networking event that I probably should have been, shouldn't have even been at. And then Michelle introduces me to an insurance agent who owns his own insurance yeah. company. Yeah. So I asked my question. He's like, oh, that's really cool. You know, this is what you need, yada, yada, yada. And he he goes off to go continue networking, like we're all networking. But he walks back like five minutes later. He was like, hey, this is my friend Brittany. She owns a marketing and a marketing agency here in Tampa. I told her what you did, and I think there's a lot of synergies between the two of you. And I'm like, oh, great. Like, let's, let's get to talking. And yeah, yeah. there were a lot of synergies. So much so that she met me in Palm Springs for this conference that I that I was going to, yeah. and then her and I went and met with Black and Bull Coffee, and we're all just kind of sitting there, and I'm like, you guys, we're all in the same space, but doing similar things, mm-hmm. but they're different, mm-hmm. and we're all young, we're all hungry, we're all willing to put in the work. What if we all just kind of like came together? And did it together. Because as they were talking about the creative work that they wanted done for Black and Bold, I was like, I can't think of anybody else other than Rob and DJ that I would want to do this with. 
Like there's nobody else that fits this energy, this vibe that I have in my network and they do great work already. I trust them. And I'm like, what if we all just united? And then I got to my whole Nick Fury thing and I was like, I'm, so, I'm going to assemble the Avengers yeah. because I'm not the one with the superpowers. Like I just know the people with the superpowers and I love bringing everybody together because yeah. I love collaborating. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's, that's so dope. Like to see how you... And, and that's what that's what I admire the most about what you do, right? You you are connecting dots that not a lot of people see, especially in your space. And you're able to bring together not only just people, but the right people. Yeah. You know, and, and I appreciate your patience too, right? Because it's like sometimes we have conversations where we may not work together on a part, particular project, but you are your vision is is clear enough to know when those times and opportunities come together. Yeah. You know, and that's 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 difficult to do, man. That's that's very difficult to do cuz a lot of people are just like, "Yes, let's do that. Let's yeah. do this. Let's do that." Next thing you know, you're spread way too thin and being way too thin probably on projects that you shouldn't even have to be involved in, yeah. right? Yeah. I've uh I so I've been an entrepreneur. I guess I could say officially for about four and a half years. I've always had a side gig. I was, I've, it's always been in my blood, but I've been doing it for real for about four and a half years. And that's a lesson that I had to learn the hard way. <clears throat> Excuse me. So when I was just getting started and I'm trying to survive, I would just take jobs to take them because, you know, I got a family to feed, <laughs> right? And I got into situations where um, I would take a job and, you know, most entrepreneurs, like, you figure it out as you go until you know how to do it. Right. But some things is like, man, like, I probably shouldn't have done this job or taken it. I probably shouldn't have included this person in this project. I'm spread out too thin. That's I can't right. provide the level of quality that I want to provide. Mm -hmm. um, and I had to learn the hard way. Like, there were some relationships that I had that suffered a bit because of it, just because of my inexperience being a business owner and entrepreneur and my my gift slash curse, blessing slash curse, which is wanting to be a people pleaser. Like yeah. one of my, one of my top traits is woo, which is win others over because I just love to serve. Like my wife, Ashley was um, talking to me, this is a couple months ago and she was telling me about this pastor that she heard talking and the pastor was talking about how some people come in your life just to get you to the next place. And he was like, we call these people, we call them rocket boosters, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're there, they get you in outer space and they may fall off and you continue to go. And when Ashley was telling me about this, she was saying it as if I was like the shuttle. But I'm like, babe, no, I'm not the shuttle trying to get the space. I'm the rocket booster trying to get other people to outer, outer space. And that's yeah. what I love doing yeah. is watching other people win. And I think that alone has been one of the, uh, I don't know, one of the, the most important things that helped me get to where I'm at right now is it's not about me. Like, it's truly about you. And I'm going to be there to rock with you, but the minute, like, you outgrow me or whatever, like, yeah. it's fine. Like, yeah. I've done my piece. You go be successful, yeah. and let's continue building the network. You know, like, pay it forward. Man, there needs to be more people like you in, in our industry because it's very cutthroat, especially mm -hmm. when it comes to competition, the ego factor right yes and i've learned to separate my ego 
albeit you know th- through a lot of failures, mm-hmm. through, through a lot of just BS and, and a lot of um, things that I wasn't proud of doing, right? But like the ego is the most dangerous thing when it comes to business ownership, mm-hmm. as well as when you're managing projects that are of extremely high stakes. Yeah. Um, a good example, and this is not to reprimand anybody that got involved in this project, but back in 2021, I was invited to jump on board a project that involved the... I don't know how much I can say publicly uh, without, you know, getting people in trouble or whatnot. Yeah. But, but there was this project that required me to move up north, um, Buffalo, mm. New York, mm. and and I had already signed the contract. I knew that I was going to be gone for about six months. Yeah. Um, and at the time, it was an excellent opportunity for me because it got. It, it was. It allowed me to get involved in what we call the Hollywood, yeah. You know, production. Yeah, yep. It was. It was a major production. They've already had crews up there. They've already got rental houses. They had the whole nines. They had the top of line producers all the way down to all the cast and crew ready to go. Um, matter of fact, we had an opportunity to work with the Baldwin family. Oh, right? that's cool. So, so you know, Alec Baldwin, Daniel Baldwin. Um, Mike Madsen, who, um, if you're not familiar with the name, he was Bud in Kill Bill. Okay. So, so anyways, um, the whole premise was this story about, I'll give you guys context so that way you know what the story is. It's about the Buffalo Mafia. Just like the New York has their own mafia, there's a huge history of mafia um, up north, upstate New York. And so, we were going to tell these stories through a through a, uh, a series. I think it was like a 10-episode series. They already filmed the pilot. That's why they already started getting funding for it. Mind you, the funding was coming from a private entity, which was owned by the Baldwin family. Because in this industry, if you work with a company like, or an organization like Netflix, Hulu, um, Paramount, there's going to be changes in the creative because now you've got people funding it. Yeah. Just like investors, when they fund a startup, mm-hmm. right? They want to have a level of say. Yeah. So the writers and producers are like, no, we want full control. So we want private funding. We want somebody that's in line with the whole story. And it turned out it was the Baldwins. Now, as we're lining things up, I'm like, okay, I've never been to Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm from Florida. I was born south of the equator <laughs> uh, i need to acclimate myself at the time my sister and, and her uh, boyfriend were living up in philadelphia and i decided to move there for a couple of months just to get acclimated to it's a lot better to acclimate in yeah. philadelphia than going straight from florida <laughs> yeah. to new york right to the frozen tundra <laughs> so so i'm there and i'm talking communicating back and forth with the with the production team and at the same time this is when Alec Baldwin accidentally shoots somebody on a set um, out in New Mexico. I saw that in the news, and I'm thinking to myself, how is this going to affect our production? So I'm talking to the director, and the director's trying to reassure me. He's like, hey, man, we're, we're working on it. We're going to try to figure this out, mm. but things are still a go. 
Um, fast forward about a month later, I'm like, guys, I haven't heard anything back. I can't keep staying up here because I left my work yeah. to go on to this production. Well, as crunch time came down, it, I needed to make money. I needed to, income wasn't going to come on its own. I mm-hmm. needed to do something. So at this point, I gave him the ultimatum, guys, I can't proceed. Yeah. Uh, I have to, for my own well-being, mm-hmm. get back to Tampa. So I end up doing that. I end up leaving the production um, via Los Angeles. Uh, at the same time, in Los Angeles, um, there was another production. Sorry, I forgot this little tidbit. But that summer, I was part of a production that involved... Uh, um, my, it was my first Hollywood set experience, an exclusively Asian American cast and crew. And uh, it was a story about Asian kid growing up in high school, something I could relate to. So, yeah. so I was a part of that production. Um, well, while I was up in Philadelphia, that pr- post-production had already finished and they were going to do a uh, cast and crew uh, viewing party. They, uh, you know, so, so I was like, let me go over there. Let me go yeah. participate. Oh, yeah. Go network and to. stuff. Because <laughs> I, like, it was cool because like, the network or the producer, she worked for Disney. Yeah. Um, and then moved on to Sony. Or was it Sony then to Disney? But to know a producer for both of those organizations. That's huge. And then on top of that, the cinematographer worked on um, Amazing Spider-Man. Wow. So like, I was connected to these amazing people yeah. in that space. Yeah. So so I took that as an opportunity just to, to sync up. And so I did that, had such a grand time over there. And then I make my way back to Tampa. And that's when I truly pivoted the business model of Haji Studios, where instead of just focusing on any specific and any kind of project that came my way, mm-hmm. I marketed myself and Haji Studios as a production company that does anti-corporate corporate filmmaking that is gangster rap inspired <laughs> i love it and most of those people that resonated with it were yeah. startup companies yeah startup tech companies yep. so that's who started knocking on the door yeah. asking to collaborate and do work so yeah man um i i i eventually like i i film with rebels mm-hmm. you know i i film i film with the people that that are willing to go against the grain Mainly for the service industry, it's hard to, I, you know, I don't. It's one thing to do apparel and, and brands and stuff like that, but I'm more about the stories behind it. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you know this, but um, during that period, whenever like the whole Buffalo thing kind of fell through, and you came back to Tampa because we were talking, there was a production. I forgot what it was, but I wanted your help with something, and you were you were busy, which totally respect that. It's all good. But then um, while you were gone, I was having conversations with uh, one of my larger clients, and we also have a publication, so we sell ads and all that. And I was talking to their director of marketing, and he was saying that he was unable to purchase any ads because they didn't have any product because of the pandemic. And I was like, oh, man, I was like, if people can't, pay for ads or buy ads mm. how am i going to generate revenue because of video things yeah i mean it the, the productions weren't consistent they would come in like spurts and in waves and those sorts of things and i was talking to him i was like 
I'm a Kevin Hart fan, and Kevin Hart has a talk show, right? Yeah. And I've always wanted yeah. a talk show, but I never had the ability to or the time to pull it off because we were too busy at that at that point. Well, this was like my opportunity. So him and I are talking, and I was like, "Have you ever thought about thought leadership?" He was like, "Well, what do you mean?" <laughs> so on the fly. I pitched him this idea for a talk show all about that leadership, not about products like we used to do, yeah. but setting up his team and his company and brand as project, um, oh my gosh, tequila, subject matter experts. <laughs> Smeeze, right? Smeeze, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so he ate it up, and then that's when we had, that's when we finally turned Next Up into yeah. a talk show. So yeah. before it was a podcast, it was a talk show. And um, we filmed here in Tampa, and it was around that same time that you came back. Yeah. And yeah. you filmed all of our next up talk shows. And it was just kind of like we just threw it together. <laughs> we literally threw it together. It must have been in like a week or two. Yeah. And they turned out awesome. We did two different types. We did we did one that was live, right. which was a ton of fun. Yeah. And we had people watching from literally all over the world, which blew my mind. And then we had one that went through post-production. Mm-hmm. But like that was another thing that... If I didn't have you in my corner supporting me, like it would have never happened. And my company might have failed yeah. had you not come back to wow. help me with this new project. Dang, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because that's when, because we went and filmed a couple of episodes over at the uh, the chapel. Chapel, my home yeah, church. Yeah. 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 And that, that was probably one of the most beautiful, like just sets in general. I liked, I liked yeah. the, the level of flexibility we had with that space and dude that i didn't know that yeah wow yep that's that's how it all happened oh man <laughs> and you came, you, you came in and saved the day like superman yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but that's why it's so important to value relationships absolutely and people yep. and to treat people well and just be willing to help out like it's a team team effort 100% so, yeah so um out of all the productions you've done, like what's your favorite type? Like what type of content do you like to create? I love the brand film. So my description of a brand film is a story about a company or an organization and their DNA. Not so much about what their service or their product is, but what is the heartbeat of that organization? Uh, for example, uh, we worked on a project with the, and this is probably one of my most favorite ones because um, it was an unexpected mm. um, project that developed and evolved into something that I truly care about. Mm-hmm. National Multiple Sclerosis Society, they have these, um, <clears throat> well, first of all, the National Multiple Sclerosis Society supports people who have uh, multiple sclerosis or MS mm-hmm. through funding uh, their research um, and in, in trying to find a cure. Yeah. So the way I got involved with them was actually through my passion of road cycling. Mm. Um, so I attended this uh, road cycling event uh, called the Hero Ride, which is a ride that to, to bring awareness to uh, veteran, um, I think it's veteran suicide. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it was a 50 mile ride. And as I'm riding, um, wait, 50 or 15, five zero. Oh gosh. I do. It's a long yeah, ride. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm usually on the bike 30, anywhere from 20 to 30, 40 miles at a time. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm a masochist. What can I say? <laughs> I like pain. Um, but 
as I'm on this ride, uh, I'm riding with this group. I just pull up with these, this group and we're just having conversations and we meet this guy and we introduce ourselves. He's like, Hey man, what's your name? DJ. What's your name? DJ. <laughs> Dude, I have never met anybody else that has my name. Yeah. Much less on a bike. Yeah. Right. And so we connected immediately. Turns out he was a, he's a financial advisor for Raymond James. Mm. Um, as we began to chop it up, he told me, Hey man, you got to try this ride. Uh, it's called the MS 150 multiple sclerosis 150, um, which is a two day ride, 150 miles. Mm. You don't have to do 150 miles. They, they, you know, break it up into smaller chunks. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's cool, man. Didn't really think anything of it. But then after that ride, my gear started going. I was like, dude, I would love to learn a little bit more about this. Mm-hmm. You know, I love biking. I wonder what they're... This is the entrepreneur in me. I'm like, yeah. let me take a look at the website. Let me take a look at their content and mm-hmm. stuff. They didn't really have much. But yet they raise a lot of money. Yeah. And so... so um, I got to rewind because I don't know if, if DJ actually reached out to me or if I reached out to him. I think I proposed the idea of, hey, man, I would love to, you know, yeah. maybe film you guys. Because uh, Raymond James has their own cycling team specific Whoa. for this ride. And so, so I was like, you know what? You know, I want to get involved with Raymond James. How do I get involved with them? Oh, yeah. let me see if I can do something with them through this mm-hmm. event. So anyways, he... Uh, Later on that fall, this was last year, so this was probably maybe October, November last year, he hits me up, hey, DJ, we, uh, we've got a, a cycling team, uh, Raymond James team, wanted to see if you wanted to get involved. I was like, say no more, man. I <laughs> want in. to get involved. Let me, let me know what I can do to help. Matter of fact, I want to tell your stories, guys, because each of these teams, they, a lot of these teams, they, they're basically fundraising teams. Yeah. Right? People, people support them through... Um, through all these different fundraisers. And I was like, maybe I can help them raise funds through a really cool video talking about their, uh, their efforts towards, you know, this particular cause. And in doing that, DJ was good friends with the director of marketing for bike MS in the Florida chapter. He connected me with him. I pitched the idea of, yo man, I think we need to tell the stories of these heroes that are fighting multiple sclerosis that are riding in these rides. Yeah. Let's make it happen, man. Because I, I all I all I want to do is tell a really good story because now that I'm understanding what this whole thing is, I want Haji Studios to be involved in giving back. Yeah. It's something that I've always wanted to do to yeah. begin with, right? Was yeah. to give back. And I felt that this was that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And the more we began to discuss, the more we began to figure out oh, what, what kind of story can we tell? And so we end up, uh, he ends up introducing me to two people, uh, Bradley Rump and Susan Weiss. They're, they're both leaders in this. They're, they both have MS, and they're, they're both doing huge things in the, in the community, right? So they were like, I think these are the two people that you need to have yeah. in front of the camera. I was like, dope. So I started gathering the crowd. I gathered my peoples, and I was like, "Hey guys, I want to do this for them." Um, it's a, it's, it's not. There's no, there's no budget behind it. I just want to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Would you guys be interested in doing it? And guys said yes. So we we ended up shooting these. Think of like ESPN Thirty for Thirty. Yeah. We told the stories of these two. Um, 
one of the sponsors of the bike MS um, uh, ride mm-hmm. was uh, this bike shop in Tampa. I think it's University Central Bikes or something University like that. University Bike Shop? Bike Shop, yeah, okay. University Bike Got Shop. Got my first BMX from there. Hey, nice, <laughs> back man. In, back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> so we filmed the the production over there. Okay. And dude, it came out beautifully. Um, so once we had everything edited, um, I sent it over to the, the bike MS, um, corporate. Yeah. Loved it. Like they wanted to show it during the, so the event itself. So bike MS is, is actually a series of events. Mm. Every major state has a bike MS event. Florida has two of them. This one was held in citrus. So, um, and that the one that was held in Citrus was the the first. It basically kicked off the entire tour okay. of this event. So we do it. We we they presented it um, during the. So it's two days of cycling, but the first day after cycling, that event that evening is a gala. They showed it at the gala. Yo, that was the first time I ever gotten a chance to see people react to a production that we did live. How that make you feel when you Yo, saw their reaction? It, it gave me goosebumps. I, I shed tears because it was, um, I knew that what we did touched these people, and how much like these people have to deal with and to be able to present it in a way that brought them hope. Like you could feel that, man. Yeah. It, it was wild. It was wild yeah. to me. And, and I'm like sitting there. I'm texting Rob and texting all the other. <laughs> I'm like, yo check this out and I'm showing like showing like little video clips of you know people standing up giving ovations and I was like yo this if if this is a snippet of what is possible mm-hmm. we're in the right space so I have to ask how much money did you guys help them raise for this event <sighs> wow north of half a million <laughs> yeah I think it was like five hundred sixty thousand and some change. So, but you yeah. know what's crazy? Like, as much money as you help them raise, and as many lives as that's gonna positively impact. Like, I gotta imagine for you, it's just doing the good deed that makes it all worth it. Hundred percent. Like yeah. that's what it's all about, dude. That was that whole weekend was transformative for not only the brand, the business, but also myself Mm -hmm. because it truly showed that when you give, you receive tenfold. Yep. And it was so, it's so cool, man, because like, you know, I was, I was a minor, I was a minority sponsor, but my minority sponsorship was alongside the names of Raymond James, Morgan and Morgan, Advent Health. Yeah. Like all of these big players, and you see Haji Studios, and it got people quite like. Yeah, Haji you know, I was guy. like, you know what? And I, and I took, I owned, I, I, yo, we got the step and repeat. I made sure that my logo was everywhere. <laughs> I had all these buttons that I made. Yeah. People were actually wearing the buttons on their jerseys, bro. Yeah. And then on, and and then at the, uh, at the, the end, and I and I'll put the link to these videos. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the. Uh, the race, like there's that big arch. Yeah. There's a big Haji cares right at the <laughs> I end. I love it. I Dude, love it. It was so sick, man. I was like, yo, that, that was so dope. I'm, I want to do that. I want to do more of that. 
because that was fulfilling for me. And like when it when something becomes fulfilling for you and you get joy in that, it, it's so intoxicating that you want to continue to do that. Yeah. And, and that's the conversation that I have with a lot of, I don't officially mentor mm-hmm. people coming up into the space, but they hit me up a lot and yeah. all these questions. And I tell them, hey, guys, it's all about giving. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's all about putting yourself in front of people and, and offering yourself to them in, in service. Yeah, You may not get paid right from the beginning, but know that if you continue that route, it's going to come back to you in time. It's not about the money. It's about the help, the serving, the exactly, helping. Exactly, man. That's pouring into others, bro. That's that's what I mean. That's what you're doing. Yeah. You know, that's that's what you're doing in in your space, and you see that like people gravitate towards that, and it's like they want to continue as much as you serve these people. In turn, they want to give back to you because yeah. they want to see. They know what you're capable of. It's like, yo, let's feed this guy because he it's a healthy cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah because he's, he's making, he's doing so much good and spreading so much good just through his actions and the relationships that he's building. Yeah, and um, I have to throw it out there since we're talking about giving back and serving and productions and all that. You and I have been chatting for a bit about doing a uh, a documentary, Ooh. and I think I think we're getting close, man. Hey, I think dude. we're getting close. We uh, we we plan to travel the world together, mm. and do a documentary on food and culture and the impact of culture on food. But the whole like whole idea is for us to leave every community that we visit mm-hmm. better than how we found it by fighting food insecurities. Right. Wow. So whether yeah. that insecurity is um, the people that don't have medicine will <clears throat> want to give them medicine. If they don't have homes, let's build them homes. Yeah. If they if they have the infrastructure for it, but don't have access to like fresh produce, let's leave them hydroponic towers or build some farms or do something. And uh, when thinking about your creativity and what I've seen you do in, I think you went to Puerto Rico and did something, right? A, a documentary. I did Dominican Republic. The Dominican Republic, yeah, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Um, I was like, man, like this is a project that has DJ written all over it, and this is something that we got to film together. And we're getting closer and closer and closer to pulling it off. I mean, obviously, yeah, yeah. a production like an international production costs money. Sure. Um, and we're going to be running it um, through a nonprofit as a nonprofit, and the whole goal is to better the world. Heck yeah, man. Yeah. Let me know because I gotta I gotta renew my passport. Oh, we can renew it, it. It expires in April, so <laughs> go ahead and renew that right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, man. man! So uh, before we wrap up, talk to me about this uh, this speaking gig that you have next week. Ah, yeah. So I am I am going to be lecturing in front of uh, the. It's the advertising and PR, the College of Advertising and PR over at the University of Tampa. Uh, one of my buddies is, is a professor over there. And the class that he's teaching, he had um, invited me to speak in front of their students. Essentially, this class is like, I liken it to like a senior design project in engineering where mm-hmm. you have a collaborative, um, it, it basically people group up together as if they're, working on a client deliverable mm-hmm. um, and they have to go through the process of discovery and then proposal and then execution. And what does that whole flow look like? Well, he wanted to have me talk about 
the discovery and proposal process, understanding the big idea. So the premise of this conversation with the students is going to uh, touch on how to take a request from a client, mm. <clears throat> objectively dissect it, and come up with a creative idea in the form of a proposal that includes what the main storyline is, what the deliverables look like, and what the timeline looks like. And so, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty fun. It's gonna be really it's gonna be neat because I've done speaking engagements before. I, I spoke with a, a it was a magnet school summer magnet school program over at Sly Middle School. Okay, and it was something in the line of that a little bit more high, high level, mm-hmm. but this one's going to be more intriguing because we're talking about students that, ha- that are now educated in that space. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know how much technicality I need to get involved in it, but in talking with, with the, the professor, he's like, dude, these are Gen Z years. They, their attention span isn't very, uh, uh, it, it's a very, very short attention span. So I have to figure out a way to make it exciting for them. So my, uh, if I can get permission, I'm going to have cameras over there, get yeah. get cameras involved. Um, I probably keep the slides to a very minimum, but I'll be dishing out questions and getting as much gotta make it engaging. engagement yeah. engagement from these kids. It has to be a conversation. Yeah. Because, I mean, I I think the only way that I relate to a Gen Zer is my short attention span. Like, yeah. I, can't, I can't watch a PowerPoint <clears throat> presentation. It puts me right to sleep. Like, I... I can't. I can't do it. Yeah. No, I feel you. Maybe I. I maybe I gotta learn like the vernacular. Like, no cap on God. <laughs> what are What are the words they use? Uh, I, don't know, I don't know. what they what they're yeah. saying these days. My, yeah. my son came home talking about selling it, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. like like you sell a product?" And he's like, "No, like like when you sell it, Dad." I'm like, "What does sell it mean?" <laughs> <laughs> and I think if I remember correctly, yeah. it's like if if we're playing basketball or something, and you dunk on me, yeah. you sold it. Like, that's what selling it means. No cap. Yeah, no cap, right? <laughs> um, but I, I do have to say that I can't think of a better person than you to to do this presentation because we were, where were we? We were um, driving back from another production you saved me from. It was it was a thing that, that we filmed for Tyson at oh, one yeah. of the local schools. Yeah, yeah. And you were in the middle of proposing your work yeah. to New York School Nutrition Association. Ah, yes. And when you showed me what you put together uh-huh. after hearing their request and how you broke it down and you had your deliverables and the schedule and all the creative concepts and ideas, I was like, holy cow, like, yeah. this guy's no joke. Like, that was, that was like top notch. I was super impressed. Appreciate that, man. And, and and that's the that's the thing, right? It's like nobody teaches these people how to do that, especially in business. Yeah, like teaching how to communicate your idea in the form of a proposal. Before, in the past, it used to be like this long yeah document that when you start reading the first line, you're like, yep. Oh wait, we can't afford that. Sorry, buddy. Mm-hmm. You know what? But then, you know what? I'm a guy that likes to put creative effort into something it needs to be visual i'm a visual guy your proposals are sexy like the way they look and the way they're written and the intellect behind it man like it's legit (laughs) legit that's what scorpios do yeah (laughs) so um (laughs) like like we mentioned earlier 
you won a Telly Award for this. So I'd kind of like for you to talk about that project because I feel like it shows your versatility. Because, yeah, you're working on, like, Netflix-style productions, but then you're also crushing the school nutrition world, too. And pr- oh, man. And producing some amazing content for them. Which one? The Viking Mess <laughs> one or the, the New York one? Let's, let's talk about the uh, the New York one, because I'm sure okay. Jen's yeah. going to listen to this. She's going to want to hear you talk about her <laughs> well, right. award yeah, she won. So, <laughs> so the, the Telly Award that we received was for social media. Um and when we think of social media today, you think of you know, TikTok or Instagram or Facebook, um, very quick bits. Well, yes, those are important, but I think where we separated ourselves from the rest of the pack was being able to tie in these smaller bits into this larger overarching story. So with New York School Nutrition Association, when we approached that project, well, the first thing, so this is how it started. Jen hits me up. Hey, uh, can, we got this uh, conference coming up. Can you do a highlight video of this conference? That's how it started. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, Jen, um, <laughs> I'm going to ask you something. Uh, what, what is it about this conference video that you wanted to accomplish? Well, I want to get more members. You know, we're, we're in a transition space. We got new leadership coming in. You're like, ah, oh, so it's new members that you want to get. I don't think this single video is going to accomplish that. Let's, let's have a conversation because I think there needs to be a roadmap that is going to be a lot more involved. Mm. That's going to require a lot more than just a, a single video. And so what we ended up doing was at the time, they were also being building, I think, like a, a PR task force. Yep. And and so that PR task force, um, I proposed to them this uh, to jump on a, a consultation, a workshop that all it is is questions. Mm-hmm. No creativity. I just want to understand what your modest operandi is. How do you guys operate? What is it that you're doing now? What is it that you're trying to accomplish? What is the people that you're trying to attract? Who are the players in this space, right? What kind of issues, what kind of things are you guys dealing with right now? Not only at the boots to the ground level, but at a national level, like getting all as much information as possible. And in doing that, once we jump out of that consultation, that's when we jump into the creative. Let's gather all of these things, figure out, okay, what is the underlying story here? Mm-hmm. I need to know who the main character of this storyline is going to be. Who's the guide here? Who's the Yoda, right? What are they trying to accomplish? What, what do they want to see, you know, in the future? And, and by taking all of this information, that's how we design the proposal, because the proposal essentially becomes a blueprint. Mm. It's a campaign blueprint for them to follow as close as possible what the following year is going to be when it comes to how they talk to their people. And now that we've finished that campaign, I I remember hitting up uh, Jen. Uh, 
I said, Jen, hey, I'm speaking over at the University of Tampa. Can I use you guys as a case study? She's probably like, yes, please. Yo, <laughs> yo. And mind you, <laughs> the whole telly thing, like, I want to attribute that to the level of planning that went into this. Not necessarily the execution. The execution is is good. It was, um, no, come on, you're being modest. It was great. <laughs> appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. But the heavy lifting was right from the start. Yeah. I always like to tell clients, hey, 80% of the game is the conversation that we have before we even produce mm. and push record. Mm. The 20% is pushing the record and editing it because all of that stuff is based on what we had already conversed yeah. about. Right. And so, so you know we up we end up getting a, a an award for those efforts but as i'm as i'm thinking about this this speaking engagement next week i i hit up jen i said hey can i use you guys as a case study and uh, she was like absolutely what what do you need i said well roi what does roi look like based on what we had done and as a creative it's it's very difficult to explain roi mm to a bean counter because mm-hmm. they want to know what profit margins look like. How much is this production? If we're going to spend 100K with you, how much are we getting back, right? And unfortunately, that's a difficult conversation to have until hindsight. Mm-hmm. But what I can say, and this was through the conversation that Jen and I had, it was what you gave Nizna was this new fire and new sense of pride. You took the new, the young blood and injected it into an organization that truly needed it. And now they're a bunch of firecrackers, man. They're, they're, they're speaking up. They're going to legislation with confidence, with swagger. Yeah. And, and that's, to me, that is so much more valuable than any kind of dollar that you can claim as an ROI. Yeah. Like I'm in, I'm in the business of giving, dishing out goosebumps. I want people to feel something. I'm in the business of dishing out goosebumps. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag hashtag baby. I love that. You know, and it's like, it's like you can't, you can't put a price on emotion. Yeah. And you can't put a price on, on self-worth. Yeah. And I feel like our production elevated their self-worth. And by doing that, we we gave them a new sense of of direction. Yeah. Direction and pride. Yeah. yeah. Man, I love that quote. Like, do you always say that? I'm in the business of dishing no, out goosebumps. <laughs> that just came to you. No, it just came to me that, like that organically. The episode title. Hey, man. <laughs> oh, that was huge. Well, DJ, man, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with me today. I, I feel like the conversation is just getting started because there were so many more things that we wanted to talk about like yeah. ai and some oh, other yeah. things but that's gonna have to be we'll, part we'll two say, we'll, yeah we'll <laughs> say that for another <laughs> that could be part two but seriously um i appreciate you i appreciate you you know supporting me like you have and you're so one of the things that i love about you too is you listen so well and you're you're always so gracious like i am not perfect and i am learning 
and you're there to guide me, to support me, and you're patient with me the same way you're patient with your other partners and clients, obviously, because you're winning tell your words. And like the way you won that was by preparation. And in order to prepare the way you did, you got to listen and really care. Yeah, man. So I'm constantly learning from you, man, uh, trying to live up to, to your standards. Uh, but you, I feel like we push each other too. And I need people... I think entrepreneurs just need people they can rock with and they can push each other. Yes. But then also share successes. Absolutely. And I love when you called and you tell me you crushed this project. And I love the fact that I can call you and tell you the same thing, but it's not a competitive thing because we're already on the same team. Like we're not, we're not fighting for the same thing. There's enough fish in the sea, but we're able to just be real and just talk and yeah. motivate each other and support each other and that's what that's right that's what i love right. about you man so thank you for everything for being on the podcast and i can't wait to, to crush these this next year and next years of uh projects and collaborations with you hey man keep doing what you are doing the people need this i need this so just just go baby just go L lfg 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 <laughs> All right, I'll catch you later, man. All right, brother. Peace. Right.